Happy New Year and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kind of a recap of 2020 this last week of trading, which turned out to be kind of an interesting one, especially when you look at the grain perspective. So we're going to kind of look at, you know, what happened this last week, but also what were prices a year ago for corn and soybeans? And we'll also look at a focus year and some marketing lessons that we all have learned, or at least I hope we have learned as well. Jeff Peterson is joining us and he is with Heartland Farm Partners. But first off, Jeff, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you too. So a good way for our grain guys to see some nice green on the screen, even the wheat for the most part was able to turn themselves around. So as we look at the corn and the soybeans, what are your thoughts from this past week? I tell you what, it's been a a great week. And as we start off first on the March corn uh, on the future side, up 33 cents for the week. Uh, We go on out to December 21 corn. That's uh, setting at 434 and three quarters. I didn't think we would be up at this type of price uh, if we'd have been talking a year ago by any means, Susan. But that that was up 10 and a quarter for the week. Over on soybeans, they fared a little bit better. January soybeans were up 51 and three quarters. And we'll notice that many of the bids have already started moving over to the March soybeans on the future side. So we'll have to keep that in mind. We could see some adjustments on basis due to that. And then as we look out the November 21 beans, they didn't fare quite as good as the nearby ones, but they were still up 28 and a half for the week. So you look at that and I mean, the upside that many didn't think we would reach, how's that going to set the tone as we head towards the new year? Well, I tell you what, that's that's, that's a good question. And, and something that I think is interesting as we move forward with these prices it's given us a good base it's much higher in price than what we're you know kind of thinking of and and i want to kind of start off just by looking at where were we at a year ago and just to kind of get that perspective and and what's interesting is i look back and this is just comparing the march futures price susan um, we're actually setting on corn 96 and a quarter cents higher than we would have been a year ago but the other amazing part about this is that one time during the summer as we got into, uh, you know, into April, and then we saw it again as we got into August, actually we just saw corn get down to 304 on that front futures price. And uh, from so from our low until where we're at right now, uh, that'd be $1.80 higher. And soybeans have had even bigger movements. As we take a look compared to a year ago, uh, we would have prices up about $3.72. And as we look at from the low, the low, it's hard to imagine, Susan, but the low got all the way down to 8.30 on soybeans. So we're actually up $4.85 from what that low was. So what what an amazing recovery we had in price and, and what a strong move we've had here over the last few weeks. It kind of really puts things in perspective. And, and earlier today on a, a Thursday, the USDA did come out with a story saying the hot commodity of 2020 just happened to be the soybean market. Yeah, it definitely had been. And as you think about that soybean market, it's been kind of the driver. And, and as you sit back and think about how things have changed, a few things that we kind of notice as we take a look at the soybeans is that, you know, the, the acre side um, was pretty much unchanged from what we kind of thought in May. And we, we always go back and take a look at the May numbers. Uh, May is when USDA comes out and they talk about uh, what they think uh, the exports and and demand is going to be and ending stocks are going to be for that next crop year the interesting part about it yield came up about nine tenths of a bushel Um, but the big really story came in over on the demand side 
And when we look back to May compared to now, demand's up uh, 219 million bushels. And I think we'll see an increase in demand as, as we come into January and get that January WASD report. You know, 150 of that uh, came on the export side. We're up 150. And we've also seen some increase over there on the crush side. And the real interesting part, though, also looks at those ending stocks. And we talk a lot about those ending stocks. That's that total supply minus total demand. You know, uh, back in May, it would have been 405 million bushels, and now we're all the way down to 175 million bushels. So that's been like a, a 230 million bushel decrease on the ending stock side. So, so soybeans have definitely had an interesting story, and it's really all been focused on the demand side, at least so far. So we see that from a, from a soybean perspective, but what about the corn? What's their story, and what's changed to get where we're at today? Yeah, we've had a few things on there. It's it's kind of, you know, it's got to a point where the ending stocks have tightened up, but it's kind of for different reasons. And it's hard to believe. As we think back, we had a number of acres of prevent plant that impacted our corn side. We, If we look at what the planting intentions were, and, and then we looked at what the May planted acreage numbers were, they were talking 97 million acres, and we got about 91 million in, so we we're down about 6 million acres. And then on top of that, we had, you know, the ratio that went across Iowa. We had the dry conditions that uh, impacted parts of Nebraska and parts of Iowa and gets up into parts of South Dakota and the very southwest corner of Minnesota. And that pulled the yield down about 2.7 million bushels. Now, what's interesting, the demand side of the equation isn't too changed. Uh, it's, It's up about 25 million bushels from what it would have been back in May. But the export number, we've just had some shifting around. Exports have really stepped up, and they're they're up about 500 million bushels compared to what they would have been um, looking back into the May numbers. And as a result, as you'd expect, our ending stocks have really tightened up on on the corn side, even more so than on the bean side. Uh, Sitting back in May, ending stocks were forecasted at 3.3 billion bushels and and setting – Sitting here now, we're just a little bit over 1.7 billion, so we're actually down about 1.6 billion bushels. And and I think as we go forward, we could actually see that tighten up a little bit more yet. I think there's room for the exports to increase a little bit, and there's even a chance as we get into the January report, we could see the yield be reduced just slightly. It's amazing how we can easily forget how crazy this summer and this growing season was as we get kind of engulfed in what's been happening with the export numbers. That's exactly right. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to kind of take a focus heading into 2021 and see what's going to kind of lay out for our grain complex and more. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue this conversation with Jeff Peterson from Heartland Farm Partners, and we kind of did a look back on, on 2020 and all the factors. And over the commercial break, you brought up uh, January of last year when the whole phase one thing started to to be factored into the trade. So there was a whole other layer to what we saw in these prices. Yeah, there definitely was. The policy side, it, you know, kicked in. We started seeing some of that demand come back. We started seeing some more regional or not regional but more natural tendencies and timing and seasonality in regard to when we started seeing some purchases um, from china side and, and the other thing that's interesting in here we didn't talk about this so susan but we've got china getting back to you know what looks like uh, maybe 90 percent of their hog herd so you've got that demand coming back but yet what's interesting about that is that we don't really know 
what that's going to mean for feed demand. Because when we think back uh, to all the demand that they had before in pigs, they're feeding their pigs differently now. They've got less of what I'd call those backyard hogs, the ones that aren't necessarily in the confinement structures. And what they were getting for a diet is different than what the hogs are now. And so there's definitely a difference there. So it's hard to know what our new feed number is and what that means in regard to demand going into China for soybean, soybean meal, and also corn. So as you say that, what are the corn and the soybean markets into this new year? Well, the best way I can phrase it up, it, it's going to be a progression. And, and, and let me kind of lay it out this way, is that this market is going to wear people out. It's going to take some time to unpack, and there's different pieces to come out of it. But the first thing we're going to be focused on, like we've been talking about all the time, starting first on soybeans, it's that Brazilian soybean weather. And, and why that's important is that they've got parts in there that are at a very critical phase in regard to the determiner, the yield, so they need to make sure that they get the rain that they need from there. And then there's also some very, up in Matagrosso, there's also some harvesting that's just getting started. So we're going to start hearing some of those soybean yields and getting a chance to see where they're at versus expectations and continues to be a greater focus on the Argentine weather because, you know, they aren't as far along. Um, they're actually not completely planted yet on corn and beans. That stretches out over a long period of time. You know, February, March is going to be a very important yield-sensitive time for them on the soybean side and on the corn side. So we're going to have to kind of continue to watch those soybean yields. And then we switch over and think about the corn side. And the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, what's the size of that first corn crop coming out of Brazil going to be? And then on top of that, what's the weather going to be like for their safrina crop? And keep in mind, this is a crop that is going to get planted after they harvest these soybeans that they're working on now. It's getting planted a little later than what they'd like to see, which could push it into some drier conditions. And that's the big crop. That's 75% of what Brazil normally produces, and that's the crop that competes with the U.S. corn exports. So there'll be a lot of attention on that. And the Argentine weather also on, on corn is very important because here's, here's something that's really interesting to think about, Susan. The top four corn exporting nations have had some issues. Uh, the U.S. is number one. You've got Brazil number two. And then you've got uh, Argentina in that mix and the Ukraine. And we know we've had problems in all of those countries. So we'll have to continue to watch that. And then after we walk away from the South American weather, then we have to start looking at what will there be for additional exports coming to the U.S.? What's that pace of exports going to be? Are everything that's on the books, is, is it getting shipped? And then we're going to have a lot of talk about planning intentions because soybeans need to add probably 7 million acres. Now, there's acres out there. There's a, between corn, beans, and wheat, there's 8.9 million acres of plant that didn't get planted last year and and if it's really dry maybe we'll get our way down to you know 1.2 million acres that's that's what we'd see on the prevent plant side but the normal side would be about 3.8 million acres of prevent plant so there's some acres there but soybeans are going to have to do their work to be able to go ahead and get it and then from there, we're going to have to really watch this U.S. weather close because we know our subsoil moisture is actually very, very low. So I'm curious, what type of marketing lessons have we learned from this year? You know, the biggest thing, I think, is to, to remain flexible. 
And when I say remain flexible, what I mean by that is that, you know, when we looked at the middle of the summer, um, before we had some of these hotter, driest conditions, it looked like the prices were going to go much lower. And I think a lesson that we all learned is that we have to be prepared to change our opinion and we have to be prepared to know what are we going to do to be able to enhance the price if the market changes. And that's where I think incorporating you know, call options into our marketing plans, uh, whether you do those through your local broker or you do them through your local grain marketer, um, grain buyer, you can add those in. It gives you a way to, to make sales and still get a better price if the market goes higher. And that may very well be something that people, whether they got old crop or new crop, are going to want to use, make some sales here, buy some calls, get a floor established. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com. Click on the sign-up button to get some free commentary from us, delivered to you by text or by email. Or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.